What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith from ESPN. This is former world champion boxer Showtime Sean Porter. Hey, this is Booby Gibson. I'm Josh Creed. Hi, this is Joe Tate, voice of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And you're listening to Sports Power Talk. You listen to Sports Power Talk. And keep listening, or it'll be wham with a right hand. Ladies and gentlemen, live from the University of Akron, WZIP Sports presents the best sports talk show this side of Lake Erie. No question, with all due respect. This is Sports Power Talk. With the latest in sports news. Your Akron Zips are the 2022 MAC champions. The Zips have defeated the Kent State Electric Chicken. In-depth analysis. Astrology for women is equal to what Joe Rogan is for men. <laughs> have you ever tried DMT? <laughs> and of course, the hottest takes. He's just bad. Let me tear your labrum and you can go on the You know what? (laughs) It's only a game. Why you have to be mad? Just the same old Browns! You know, bro. Hard on pitch. I think that was textbook top cheese. Cleveland! This is for you! From the best that Ohio sports has to offer. To the best of the Akron Zips. Now, it's time for SPT. Good morning, WZIP listeners from near and far. It's time for the best sports talk show there is, was, and ever will be. It is time for Sports Power Talk right here on 88.1 WZIP. I am back as your host. My name is Logan Congram, and joining me this week are two incredible analysts. As I say every time this gentleman is on, he is a Kent Roosevelt football legend on the other side of the desk. It is our UFC analyst for the day, Mr. Mitch Bates, coming off of UFC 282. Mitch, how are you feeling after last night? Yeah, not feeling great about the main event. Uh, not feeling great about many parts of last night, but we're going to get into it. Feels great today. Absolutely. And on the other side of the desk, it is Akron's favorite Akronite, Mr. Patrick Weber. Pat, how are you doing today, Mr. Homer? I feel great. You know, falls almost officially upon us. The semester is coming up on exactly one week away from starting. And I'm excited because you know that means Akron Zips football is back. Akron Zips football is back indeed. Pat, are you excited for the season? Do you think this could be the year? I think this is going to be the year that we make a bowl game. You know, we had a really strong recruiting class. We'll get into all of this later. I'll dump all of the... why are you laughing? I was just smiling. I'm enjoying it. All right, guys. We have a great show packed for you today, starting off with some Cleveland Browns action in our first segment. Then we'll get into a little bit of MLB, some Guardians talk, as well as some other talk around the league. And then to finish out our second hour, we will talk with Mitch about UFC 282, followed with... Pat's pronunciations of the fighters' names and mine as well, because I'm not great at them either. We'll just leave those all up to Mitch. And then also hot mic in that segment. If you haven't gotten your questions in, make sure you head over to our Twitter at WZIP Sports. Give us your questions to be answered live on air again in our second hour. And then we'll finish out with College Town. As Pat mentioned, it is time for college football season. It is very close upon us, and I'm very excited to talk about that as well. But let's get right into the Cleveland Browns talk starting with the Cleveland Browns kicker, Mr. Cade York, Mr. Third-Round Pick, that can't seem to make a kick. Guys, I, as a Browns fan, I'm pretty concerned about this. I think it's time to bring in some competition. Pat, I want to get your opinion first. Actually, neither of you are Browns fans. It doesn't matter. You're bring a Steelers fan, though. Bring back Cody Parkey. Leave me alone. We'll never talk about that guy again. <laughs> Pat, what do you think it's smart for the Browns to bring in some competition for Cade York? 100%. I mean, I don't want to like relate this to the Steelers too much, but like, Kenny Pickett's been playing really well this preseason, and it's because of the competition. I know it's not great competition, being Mitchell Trubisky, but I've seen a level of play 
that Kenny Pickett wasn't at last year. And I think Cade York needs that competition. If you know that your job is being threatened, you're going to work harder and you're going to perform better. That's just how it works. And I think that the Browns definitely they definitely need to get this figured out before the season starts because obviously, I mean, kind of a string of bad bad kickers in the last couple of years. As well as quarterbacks, but stretch of a couple of years. You talking <laughs> since Phil Dawson? We haven't had one in like since I was like four. I mean, quarterbacks and kickers just aren't aren't the Browns' thing, I guess. Hey, but now we got a quarterback. You do have a quarterback now, so now it's time to get a kicker. Yeah, bring somebody in. Make Cade York prove that he's the guy for the job, and if he's not, well, then find his replacement. Like just point period end of it. That's what that's what you need to do. Like as an organization, you need to do that. Browns got to bring in destroying. <laughs> yes, Browns got to give destroying a tryout. But no, seriously. They do need to give some other kickers an opportunity, I think. Just bring him in to give Cade York a look. Make him nervous. Put someone behind him. Let him know that no job is just going to be handed to you. Because I think that's a very smart strategy for all NFL teams and all positions, for that matter. But I think at the end of the day, Cade York will be the guy that they go with either way. But why? Like, what? What's the reasoning behind that? Because if, if Cade York's correct, he's saying... That it's not it. They the reporters are all saying it's his confidence. K. York says it's not his confidence. So I don't get it. This is is this is this is his third year. If it's not his confidence, then he's then what just is it? bad. Like <laughs> that's, that's the bad? only it's the only thing. Like that's the only way to call it. Is like the other thing. I if saw, it's not his confidence, then he's blame, just not a good kicker. Do you blame the Browns holder? Mm, I don't know because a lot of those bad kicks that we've seen have been poorly held balls but like i don't i don't know you know what i mean it's just like i, think I don't they know have man. to they have to play him anyway in my opinion because they use a draft pick on him and not a lot of kickers are getting drafted these days and he was a fourth round pick exactly not, not to mention he is only 22 years old so he he has plenty of time to turn around there's kickers that are over 40s in the nfl i feel like kickers have the yeah kickers have the longest chance to last longevity wise I don't know. It is the just pre- sign Harry Kane, bro. Take him away from Bayern. <laughs> <laughs> maybe is. he'll actually win something. You know, maybe he'll bring a championship to Cleveland. Who knows? I mean, it is still preseason, but if if the Browns are really as good of a team as everybody's saying they are, which everybody says this every single year and it just never works out that way, but let's just go with they're a good team this year. If they're that good of a team, are you gonna are you gonna let this team fail because we don't have a kicker? Is that gonna be the reason that the Browns lose close games? That would be, like, the most Browns thing ever. I feel like, you know what I mean? Like, if I look at it, and it's like, look how good this roster is, but look how many games they lost by, like, three points or less. I'd just be like, yeah, that's just the Browns. Like, I, I don't know. I feel like that would be the outcome that I would expect from the Browns. I hope it's not. I know that might be surprising to hear me say, but it's like, I mean, I feel like all four years that I've been up here saying this, I'm like, yeah, the Browns, you know, they're going to finish top of the division. And I'm, you know, I'm still waiting. Like, I feel bad for Browns fans. So well, we appreciate it. Thank you. You know, you have my sympathy, but like, don't don't let this team, like you said, don't let them fail because you don't have a kicker. Like, don't be, do not just don't do that. Don't be the normal Browns. Do something that it's like, okay, let's make the steps to actually win. Don't let one. I, I almost want to call it like a stupid little thing. You know what I mean? Because that's kind of what it is at the end of the day. Don't let just one player, especially like a kicker, hinder your chances at success. I mean, the Browns tend to hinder their own chances in a lot of different ways, but. If if we lose close games like we did last year because of Cade York, how many games do you get? If we if the Browns stick with Cade York coming out of preseason, how many games or how many missed kicks do you give this guy until it's not the answer? Because like you said, kickers have longevity, but it's also 
I, I say this with a huge grain of salt, kickers are probably the easiest position to replace in the NFL. And I feel like if it, it comes down to it, it'd be pretty easy to find that replacement. Yeah, I think kickers are easily replaced for the most part. But then you have, like, the seasons, like, I think it was 2020 where there was, like, eight kickers in one week that all missed clutch field goals. Or, like, there, there's always a kicker drought that goes around every year, it seems like. And some of the free agents, too, are just guys that are inconsistent just like Kate York. But the difference is he's young and he has time to grow and get adjusted. So that's why I think he's still the best option. But as far as giving him an amount of games, um, I think it's kind of got to be a midseason evaluation like you do with all the other players where if it's midseason and he's cost us like two games, three games, maybe we look at some free agents. But until then, I think we just got to stick with him. Yeah, I would absolutely agree. But let's move away from KDR for a little bit. Sticking with another Browns, Standout this time, Dewan Jones. He is the new guy from Ohio State on the line. He's a beast. He has 111 pass blocking snaps played and zero sacks allowed. This is a guy that I think absolutely can make an immediate impact for the Browns. I think so, 100. Um, percent Dewan Jones, personally, I don't know how the Browns ended up with him. If I'm being 110 percent honest with you here, um, what a steal! I would think that the Browns definitely got a steal out of Dewan Jones. I mean, he's proven already that he might be one of the best offensive linemen in the NFL and he still has yet to play like one official minute of an NFL game right but I mean like you said look at look at everything he's done already 111 pass blocking snaps and he has not allowed a sack that is just pure grit and determination at the line I love it I love it when I see the big guys you know when they're out there on the line laying it all down man I, I love watching them be able to play like that and Dewan Jones is like the definition of like your grit and grind Offensive lineman. I I love seeing him uh, play on the field. Not not so much in a brown jersey, you know. <laughs> Wish I could see him in something a little different. But he's definitely a force to be reckoned with. One hundred and ten percent. Yeah, I love Dewan Jones for the Browns, and I also think that moving off of Jack Conklin is not a terrible idea as a whole. And we haven't seen Dewan Jones against like the ones in continuous reps. And I think preseason and regular season is very, very different as far as production goes. And I think that's pretty obvious. But moving off of Jack Conklin, he's getting a little older. He's not old yet, but he's getting a little older. The contract's going to start kicking in. And I think Dewan Jones is the best thing for the Browns to do right now. It was a steal. I think he could be the steal of the draft. That's in my opinion. I, You know what? I agree with that. I agree with that take. Would you, if you're the Browns, does he get the start on the line this early? Mm, I'm going to go with no, not this early, but you know you have one of the most dominant linemen as a backup in case somebody goes down. Let's be honest. We've seen that the Browns' offensive line is extremely injury-prone. Extremely. So having Dewan Jones as a backup is the next best thing because then, you know, I mean, what worst case scenario? He just ends up going back to being a really good backup, right? You know, best case scenario, he steps in. All of a sudden, you don't need to have him as a replacement anymore. He's starting full time, right? So it's all like a keep him as a backup for now. Let him let him work his way up, and then when somebody goes down, you know, hopefully like not. Um, but if they do go down, then you know, I I think he's I think he's a very very solid backup at the end of the day. Um, 
And I, I do think he will be starting by the end of the season, but I'm just kind of hoping it's not because of injury because, you know, I don't really like seeing anybody get in, uh, injured on the field. So that's just my personal opinions on that. I, I do think, though, that he will get the start. Like I said, I, he will get the starting job, like, fairly early on in the season. Especially, I don't know what the extent of it, but Conklin's injured again. They yeah. play the same position. Well, then, Dewan Jones might be, because I, I feel like Conklin, and here's the thing, I know Conklin's really good. Like, Conklin's he's one of the expendable, best linemen, But he is so, he's a liability. He's a liability right now, right? Like, he cannot stay healthy to save his life. I think he's a liability on that line. So, I take back what I said. I think Dewan Jones should get the job then. If Conklin really is injured again, I say, you know, let him sit it out, because clearly he is way too injury-prone to be playing football right now, so... Let him take a break. Let Dewan Jones go up. And like I said, I mean, he's he's proven to be one of the best offensive rookies, at least. One of the best offensive linemen in this rookie class by far. So I don't really see an issue with letting him start. Absolutely. Mitch, you went to training camp last week. What are Did you hear anything about Dewan Jones? Anybody talk about the rookies for the Browns? What are some things you picked up while being in Berea? Uh, there wasn't much talk about Dewan Jones, surprisingly. A lot of the focus, because it was right before the preseason game, against the Commanders, a lot of the focus was on Deshaun Watson and him getting in, actually playing during that game. There was a little bit of talk about Elijah Moore. Cedric Tillman got a lot of attention from the receivers coach, and there was just praise there. So I think Cedric Tillman is going to be a great option for the Browns when he is actually healthy, or not healthy, but when he's pushed into the lineup more over Donovan Peoples-Jones which is something I know Matt and quite a few people up here at WZIP want to see. And I don't really understand that, but Cedric Tillman's really good. As far as defense, Okoronkwo was talking to us, and he said he feels free in the new scheme. There's a lot going on for the players that are on the D-line, and they can actually start to feel less pressure and more freedom, which is exactly what someone like Miles Garrett needs to become a Defensive Player of the Year candidate. And overall, I think the Browns' young guys are in a great spot. I don't think there's too much age and there's not too much youth here. I think it's a perfect mix on the roster right now. And I'm also not going to get my hopes too high because it's the Cleveland Browns. But (laughs) the the roster looks good on paper. But then again, I have said that before. You know, speaking of the roster and speaking of Deshaun Watson, as you mentioned, the Browns have three quarterbacks behind Deshaun Watson. Obviously, Watson, solidified starter, $100 million quarterback. But DTR has been showing up for the Browns. They have Kellen Munn and they have Josh Dobbs. Three serviceable options as a backup quarterback. If if it was up to you guys, who's your backup and which one's getting cut? Because one, there's no way, there's no way they proceed with four quarterbacks. One of those guys is going to get cut. I think I, Kellen Mond should get cut. Really? I think so. Well, because, I mean, first of all, I just have a soft spot for Joshua Dobbs. But he's, <laughs> he also has played fairly well when he's needed to come into the like big games, right? So For sure. I think he's. I think you keep Do, uh, Dobbs 100%. I just don't think Kellen Mond is needed. I, I just don't, I don't think so, right? I'd rather take a rookie QB, to be well, fair. Well, DTR is not. DTR is going to be the backup. You know what I mean? So, But, like, I'd rather have that scenario than Kellen Mond. Personally, like I'd rather have Josh Dobbs on the roster because you know what you're gonna, you know what you're getting out of Joshua Dobbs. You've seen him play as the backup before, so you know what you're getting with him, and you know that he's a fairly serviceable third string quarterback, which is all you're really looking for, right? So, I just, 
I don't I don't think Kalamon needs to be on this roster, if I'm being honest. Mitch, what do you think? I actually disagree with that. I think there's a lot more upside with Kellen Mon. I unlike Pat, I don't have a soft spot for Josh Dobbs. <laughs> so I don't I don't need to feel positive about him. <laughs> but yeah, I think Kellen Mon has a little more upside. He's younger, but at this point, youth doesn't really matter at that spot because I think Dorian Thompson Robinson's going to get the backup spot either way it goes. And he's the youngest out of all of them. So He's absolutely going to get the backup spot. He's earned it. And 100%. And I think if you're talking about who you could put in the game and he'll give you exactly what you expect, I think it's Josh Dobbs. But if you're talking about putting someone in the game who could give you what you expect but also could give you a little bit more or a little bit less, it's a risk, I think Kellen Mond. But I think that could be necessary with this Browns team this year. Yeah, absolutely. I would say DTR solidified backup. He's been playing great all preseason. He's the youngest guy, as you mentioned, Pat. Definitely his spot. I'm going to go, my opinion, I would keep Kellen Mon. I think there's more of an upside. Mm. Come Pat, on, don't, don't do Joshua Dobbs like that. <laughs> I know he's a rocket scientist, but I just think Kellen Mond has more of an upside. They brought him in last year, and he was hurt as soon as they signed him. That's the only thing. I'll give you that. Kellen Mond is injury-prone from what I've seen over his past couple years. But I just think Kellen Mond's upside is probably a little bit more. Plus, it's not going to matter. Deshaun Watson's taking the Browns to the Super Bowl, and nobody will play. So, Uh, I don't know about that. What do you mean you don't know about that? I don't know about all that. you got to have some—you Steelers fans, you got to learn optimism. You've never been in this situation. We have optimism. But you have— confirmed optimism. You have to try false optimism with the Browns. Convince well, I, yourself. I, I know I know what false optimism is. I'm the one who bet money on the Akron Zips to win the national championship this year. Well, I kinda, I know I know where you're coming from on this, right? I could have like, taken that money, opened the WZIP window here, thrown it out the window, and it probably would have done something. It would have done the same thing as what's going to happen to your money, which is be gone. Or we go 12 and 0. And win the national championship, yo. See, I'm 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 just giving it back. Pat Weber right is back this morning, folks. <laughs> Pat Weber is back. Always, I'm always thinking about the zips, man. What can I say? Hey, you know what? I'll give it to you. That's that's fair. That's being a good student here at the University of Akron. Another Browns topic. This this quote blew my mind. Rex Ryan, former coach of the Jets, the Bills, and his father was the defensive coordinator for the 85 Chicago Bears. Rex Ryan came out and openly said that the Browns' defense might be better than the 85 Bears. No. Just stop. The defense is extremely good, though. Don't get me wrong. This Browns' defense is electric, and it is a force to be reckoned with. But I don't think you can put that defense to the greatest defense to ever walk an NFL field. I just don't think you can. I don't. Yeah, well, the greatest defense to ever walk on a field Stop. is actually the Legion Stop. of Boom from okay. the Seattle Seahawks. Stop. So I don't think we can go that far and call the 85 Bears the greatest of all time. They I think that's recency bias. Okay, I don't think that's true. You have to look at it this way, Mitch. Defenses in the 80s and 90s played so much harder than the current era. Right, but it was a different style of play back then too like where they would run the ball every single play 
and you kind of have to be smash mouth if you want to be successful. But then when we're talking about the Seahawks 2013, 2014, around that time, it was a lot more passing. You got to have a great secondary, strong front line. You know, I think the that defense is the greatest defense of all time in my eyes. But, yeah, back to the topic. The 85 Bears defense is clearing this Browns defense, and this Browns defense is unproven. Like, did you not see what just happened last season with, like, Half of these guys starting, more than half of these guys starting, was that 85 Bears worthy? Mm. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's a simple answer. They can't stop the run. Well, hope, hopefully they've made the adjustments to be able to do that. But my point is they're unproven, like, completely. There's no – I don't want to say there's no all-time greats because I think Miles Garrett can be an all-time great. Miles Garrett is a surefire Hall of Famer. Right. In my opinion. Um, so you think if he retired today, he would be a Hall of Famer? Yes. I, I don't know. That's kind of tough for me. I think if he if he continues this for like two, three more seasons. But I think if he retired right now, it's debatable if he's a Hall of Famer. Like mm-hmm. Mike Singletary uh, for the I'll Bears. Right. Mike Singletary for the Bears was like surefire top three linebacker, inside linebacker of all time. They had the toughest run defense in the league. It's it's just tough to top them with a defense that's unproven with no surefire Hall of Famers on it. Yeah. Would you say, yeah, I yeah, Miles Garrett right now I think is the only one that has a chance. You're right. Yeah, I don't – I wish I – well, no. I don't mm-hmm. think Zedarius Smith Zedarius is Smith is not a Hall of Famer. He was really, really good. But I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. I think. Do you think Denzel Ward could get to like Hall of Fame status ever? No, too injury. Or is prone. it way too way too injury prone? I'm, I'm just saying, like, if we're looking at as far as greatness, the Browns' defense, there's not much like all time greatness. It's just a bunch of pretty good players that hopefully have a better how, coach. To get how do you, uh, Mr. Seahawks fan, feel about <laughs> Shelby Harris coming to the Browns? Take him, please. What? Just t- what do you mean? This guy's not that good. Shelby Harris will be a difference maker for the Browns. Okay, I di- I disagree. He was supposed to be a difference maker for us, and he just wasn't. Shelby Harris could stop the run pretty well, which is all I think the Browns are bringing him in for is stopping the run. To be fair, so if that's what you need, and that wasn't really our problem as the Seahawks, our problem was rushing the passer because Daryl Taylor plays like a fifth grader and. <laughs> We also have like some inconsistencies on the inside, but hey, if if you want a nice run stopper who's not going to pressure the quarterback at all, then Shelby Harris is your guy. Wow, the hate. <laughs> There's no hate. I just yeah, there is. I don't like him. Pat, what's your what's your response? What's your take on Shelby Harris? Um, yeah, I kind of agree with what Mitch is saying. I did want to jump in real quick, and if you know, we're going to talk about recent defenses. Uh. I want to talk about the 08 Pittsburgh Steelers, the whole reason that the NFL you players homers, protocol, the, the the team that is the reason that there is, like, player protocol to the level that there is today. But in all seriousness, I want to talk about, like, the 80 Steelers defense, too. Like, steel curtain, that type of thing, you know? But, um, no, this, I like, I like what Mitch was saying. Like, this defense is very unproven. And the only player that has a chance of making it to the Hall of Fame is Miles Garrett. Like, 100%. Nobody else on that team is good enough. And Zadarius Smith, 
the way that I kind of view him is like he's going to be one of those players that like you know you remember him right now because he's playing, and then thirty years down the road you're just going to randomly be thinking about old football teams and be like, oh, I remember Zadarius Smith. He was pretty good. Like that's just what he is. Like he's not going to be one of those names you remember for like ever. You know what I mean? He's. I feel like he's going to be one of those names that's like long forgotten at some point. Like yeah. no disrespect to him, but. The Steelers, the 08 what? Steelers, you think is better than the 85 Bears? Or no, the, I'm not saying it's better than the 85 Bears. Lie. I'm just saying that, I like, clown Mitch. I'm just but saying. I would have put Mitch's take over yours. I never said that the 08 was better than the 85 Bears. You I just better said better than that, the Legion of Boom? I, no, what I meant by saying that was, like, the 08 Steelers kind of gave birth to, like, that style of play in the 2000s era. With, That's like, James a fair Harrison assessment. Because, I mean, James Harrison just didn't care about anybody's safety. That dude was scary. <laughs> That's a fair assessment. Unfortunately, he went to the wrong school, though. Yeah, he did go to the wrong school. I'm still not happy about it. There's a reason I'm sitting over here wearing the Troy Polamalu jersey and not a James Harrison jersey because I'm wearing the uh, best def- uh, defensive player on that roster right now. Greatest safety of all time. All time? Yeah. Oh. Yep. yep. Mitch, Mitch definitely has an opinion on that. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's an oof. Um, <laughs> me, personally, I would rather go in the Ed Reed direction and there's some greats up there in competition, like Sean Taylor, and I think Brian Dawkins is like criminally underrated all time. Yes, but Troy Polamalu's top five. He's top five. Best safety of all time is Andrew Sandejo. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Listen, if we're talking about you know best player for every team except the Browns, yeah. <laughs> like, let's be honest, he was great for all. All the other teams, except for the team he played for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then he's out here going, oh, the Browns need me to win a Super Bowl. And I'm like, you can't start on, like, any roster in the league right now, except maybe the Texans. <laughs> like, maybe the Texans. I don't know. I couldn't believe he actually tweeted that. Like, that was a serious, actual thing that he put on the internet. Andrew Sandejo, that was your Antonio Brown moment. <laughs> <laughs> Before we had to break... The Baltimore Browns is what I listed this at. Good. Jadavian Clowney signed with the Baltimore Ravens earlier this week. Joined Odell Beckham Jr., also on the Ravens now. Does Jadavian Clowney and Odell Beckham Jr. put the Ravens ahead of the Browns if they weren't already? Or does it top them at the AFC North? Absolutely. No. Okay, I'm going to say this, and I know I've been saying this for so long, but I haven't had a chance to be on air to voice this. The Ravens are just not going to be that good. I don't understand the hype that has been building around the Baltimore Ravens for adding Mitch Odell Beckham, who's going to... single thing Pat Listen, Odell, Odell is going to be out within the first three weeks of the season like he is every year with an injury that's going to put him out for, like I said, the rest of the season. And you have Jadavion Clowney. Cool, your defense is, like, all right at best, but you added injury-prone OBJ, and now all of a sudden the Ravens are going to win the Super Bowl. Like, that doesn't make sense. Odell is not... He's not his prime self. He's not his good former self anymore. I would I agree with that. You know, and I'm I'm just like where where did all this come from? Lamar Jackson still in my opinion, he can't throw the ball at all. Everybody knows how to stop a running quarterback. You added virtually no weapons. You have an unproven rookie from an average college in a mid conference in Zay Flowers. And that's facts. I will I will I will be happy to debate that for a while, but it's like they didn't add much I don't understand the hype around the Ravens this year. I just don't. They're going to finish last in the AFC North. 
I do not understand the hype around Ooh. the Baltimore Ravens whatsoever. I really don't. Before we go to break, Mitch, what's your what's your combat to that? Well, I don't think that Odell Beckham is what makes the Ravens team. So if that was the point that you're going against, I agree with you 100%. I don't think injury-prone OG Odell Beckham is what makes this team great. I think what's going to make this team, I won't say great, I'll say good, is Lamar Jackson. Him being out completely derailed their season. Tyler Huntley, the pro bowler, is not... Worth anything. <laughs> Tyler Huntley cannot be your starter on the Ravens team. When he was the starter, I thought they were last for sure. Maybe even in the AFC. They were terrible. And then they brought in Jadavian Clowney. It's a solid move. It's not amazing. They got I don't a, like Clowney. They got a good defense. They have a good defense besides their corners, besides Marlon Humphrey. I think they have a good defense. Humphrey's good. But Lamar Jackson, he doesn't need to throw because he's just going to run all over these fools. J.K. Dobbins is back. What fan? What team are you a fan of? Here? He's just good. Like they'll be, oh. they'll be third in the AFC. They won't be last. That's for the Steelers. Oh, Whoa. and well, with that, on. it's time for our first break. We're going to have show. to go back to this later. And when we're you come, to to this when we come back, we're going to be talking <laughs> a little bit of baseball before Mitch and Pat actually throw hands here in the studio. So stick with <laughs> us right here on WCIP. Welcome back to Sports Power Talk for our second segment of this fine Sunday morning show. Once again, I'm your host, Logan Conger. Joining me on the other side of the desk are two men that almost just fought here in the studio. We might still have Over to. some controversial <laughs> opinions on football. One side of the desk, I got Mr. Patrick Weber. Good morning, Akron. And Mr. Mitch Bates. Yeah, how's it going, everyone? Mitch, I think you say that every single time you're introduced. I hey, do. how's it going, everyone? How's it going, everyone? Great <laughs> hey, respect it, you know? It's, a, it's his thing. Yeah. I like it. You know what I do like more than that is baseball. It's time for some MLB <laughs> no, talk. Yes, I do. I love me some baseball. I love me some Guardians talk and some some good old yeah, America's but, pastime. But, the, but we got to talk about the Orioles first, man. We do have to talk know? about the Orioles first. And ah, if I just Logan like Congrove a great is listening, I still haven't gotten used to calling you that, buddy. If Logan Congrove a great is listening, the Orioles happen to be his favorite team, so you will enjoy this. The Orioles are surprisingly the best team in the American League right now. They are on an absolute tear. Who would have expected this at the beginning of the season? If you would have told me that the Baltimore Orioles would be one of the best teams in baseball, I would have called you crazy. I straight up would have just been like, all right, what, are the Guardians going to win the World Series too? I mean, yeah, I know I said that at the beginning of the year, but I don't feel that way anymore. (laughs) But it's like, for a team that is always so mid or just flat out bad, this is very impressive, and Adley Rutschman is, I would argue to say, he's the best catcher in baseball right now. Whoa. I would argue to say that he is the best catcher in all of baseball. He is really good. It's an and argument. He, and he has one of the best bats, too. Like, that is just, I mean, you saw him in the home run tournament. I know he didn't perform very well, but the kid can hit, he can hit moonshots all day. Like, I love watching Adley Rutschman play. Here's the thing. I don't like the Orioles, but I like their fan base, and I do like Adley Rutschman. Their fan base, their fan base is one that I respect. Like I feel bad for you know. I always see those throwback clips to like 2012 mm-hmm. when they were in the playoffs, and I'm like, wow, like that's a like that's a fan base for baseball. I don't like the team though because I just don't like Baltimore, like as a city or their organizations. I just don't like them. <laughs> you know, 
But putting my feelings aside, like, this is impressive. I'm also just happy to see that the Yankees are, like, doing nothing. It feels great. Yeah. Um, it's the consistent scoring. And when I look at the different, I like to look at the differences between the top teams and the Guardians to try to figure out why the Guardians aren't quite there yet. <laughs> and I've come to the conclusion that it's the way more consistent scoring by the Baltimore Orioles. There's a ton of games where they have over five runs, and the Guardians don't have many of those. They haven't had a game where they've allowed over four runs since August 8th, which when you add up how many games they play in baseball, it's quite a lengthy bit of time. And I think it's very impressive from a team that no one was talking about before the season as being an actual championship team, and now they're here. It's impressive. Yeah, it's very impressive. And as you mentioned, it makes you wonder what's going on with the Guardians, which we'll definitely get into here at the end of our segment. But a team that is not a team that is not surging and is not the best team in baseball is the New York Yankees. The Yankees are having a perpetually terrible season for Yankee standards, that is. What Pat, what is going on with the Yankees on the opposite side of things on a less positive note? If I'm being honest, I I think it's the same type of thing that we're having trouble with, just a consistency with scoring. The Yankees' bats are ice cold, and they also can't finish games right now at all. So they're basically just being us, but in New York is the best way I can put it. <laughs> like The similarities are right there with the struggles. And, but honestly, like, I'm not mad about that. Like, when the Yankees just aren't doing well, I I love that. Like, I don't know what it is. I just love it when the Yankees lose. It's like when Alabama loses. I just, like, <laughs> oh, I live for it. And to see the Yankees, like, finally at the, like, at the very, very bottom of their division is just, oh. It's my favorite thing right now. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm so happy the Yankees are this bad. I'm hoping it'll be, like, a humbling moment for their fan base because, you know, you're already 16 games out of first. You're not, you're not catching up at all. Like You are not catching that whatsoever. It's so weird to see, too. And they've lost 16 of their last 23 games. How ice cold they got at the end of the season. It's, it's opposite to what we think of usually when we think of the Yankees. And you know their streak for consecutive winning seasons is 30 straight. And that 30? is about to end. Ooh. After wow. Me finish out ice cold this year that would be 30 straight seasons of just winning records down the drain so you think that they're gonna stay down oh yeah well there's been nothing that they've been showing me to make me think otherwise it's the most important time in baseball where you're either building momentum or you're flopping downward and they just seem to be flopping downward and i'm not rooting for them in any way so i'm not gonna try to be optimistic about this no, and I don't want to be optimistic about the Yankees ever. There's no point because they're the Yankees. <laughs> Why would you want to be optimistic about them? They're so arrogant. For They've been arrogant for, what would you say, 30, 30 winning seasons? Their been, fan base is arguably one of the worst fan bases in sports. You know, I remember this being an around-the-rue question maybe about a year ago about who has the worst fan base in sports. Let's re- let's re-ask this question. I'm going to re-ask you guys. Who who has the worst fan base in sports? Oh, in like if we're talking, are we going to put collegiate and anything, professional? Anything. The Ohio State Buckeyes. 
No. I'm oh. sorry. No, what? they are the most annoying. Like, I'm sorry. Ohio State fans are the worst. They're so annoying. I'm not. I'm not saying that to like this Ohio State, but like they get pressed. Like I'm not kidding. Like some of my friends went to the Ohio State Akron game and watched an Akron fan get like beat up just because he was wearing an Akron shirt and not. A I did not shirt. have that same experience. I sat in the Ohio State student section with my Akron jersey. Well, then on. maybe I don't know. I'm just saying, like Ohio. Like all the interactions <laughs> I normally have with Ohio State fans are just like not great, but. Besides Ohio State, it's definitely like Ohio State, Alabama. Alabama is wrong for Ohio State. Good right. for Alabama. For Alabama. The Yankees are terrible. The Patriots fans are even worse. And I'll even admit it, Steelers fans, yeah, we're, we're terrible. I, I <laughs> yeah. don't think the Steelers fans are that bad. There's like a level. There's, there's we're ignorance. We're more aggressive when we travel. There's ignorance <laughs> and there's just pure awfulness. The Steelers fans can be ignorant, but they're not awful. I would say Patriots fans and Yankees fans and Alabama fans are just awful. How is no one bringing up the Dallas Cowboys? True. Yeah. Cowboys fans are crazy. Every annoying. year, we them boys, yeah. we win in the Super Bowl. And it's like, we out know. in the first round. <laughs> that or they're not even going to make it. You guys see the <laughs> meme? You know how when teams get eliminated from playoff contention, ESPN like, tweets <laughs> a picture. Someone tweeted like, the Cowboys were eliminated, and they said, let's just get this out of the way now. <laughs> you know what's Like, oh. Oh, Cowboys fans, yeah, no, like, I've, I didn't think about them. That was that was a good call. They were pretty annoying. Yeah, Same not, with Red Sox fans, but, like, Red Sox and Yankees, Yankees are just still worse to me. You know what I mean? Like, the Red Sox are a way more likable franchise, I think, overall. I agree. I feel, too, baseball fan bases, if your baseball fan base is bad, they're really bad. Like, there's no... <laughs> people that are, like, in love with baseball, like, if your name is Jake Murren, <laughs> you are in love with your team. So it brings out some different type of emotions, I feel. Warriors fans get bad, too. Hear that, Logan Buchanan? <laughs> yeah, I'm talking to you, LB. <laughs> Logan's fans Warriors are pretty fans. treacherous. Warriors fans, I don't really you, mean, like... you mean not fans. They just come and go every year. Warriors bandwagons? Warriors people. I wouldn't even call them <laughs> bandwagons. They're not, like, they, they don't have real fans. If you... The only people that I will ever respect as real Warriors fans are whoever watched them during the We Believe year, which was like 2007, 2008, which was not me and not LB. So I don't want to hear it. <laughs> He's, oh, LB's, oh, I, I've been watching since Curry got drafted. Just like every other Warriors Just like every other <laughs> Warriors fan. I don't know. I don't believe LB. I'm going to be honest. One. I feel like basketball fan base is like. I don't feel like any of them are bad except the Warriors. Like you know what I mean? Like when I think about it, it's like you know you go back to the eighties and nineties. It's like wow. I would say the Boston Celtics fans and the are pretty Lakers. bad. Yeah, yeah, but I don't. And I jazz. Like, I feel like with the Celtics the jazz, fans, really, though, really. Well, those fans are just. I me liking the Thunder. I would say I'm a Cavs fan, but a Thunder supporter. Watching the Thunder go in with PG Carmelo Russell Westbrook into the Utah series, that crowd was like unbearable. Like screaming things at our players, some things I won't repeat on air, but you can do your research on them if you want. Jazz fans aren't the greatest. I agree, Boston. Boston <clears throat> kind of guys, same problem. And Boston's been bad for a long time. Have you? You guys know the new? It's called Winning Time. It's the Lakers. It's like a docu series about the Lakers. That the by the way, the Lakers. if you haven't seen that, very watch good. it. Watch uh, it now. There will be a new it's episode out tonight. Awesome. Oh, I think wait, it, it comes out, out tonight. Comes yeah. out. It's the third episode this week. The new season started. Oh, I didn't know the new season. Yeah. Started. Oh my! I have that. And it's very good. Comes out this but for week? those of you who don't know what it is, it's like a 
it's a docuseries about the rise of the Lakers dynasty, and it shows the first scene, not to spoil anything. It really doesn't spoil anything, so I'm just going to say it. <laughs> the first scene of the first episode of season two was right after the Celtic or the the Lakers won a game in Boston in the finals. It was like a prequel to the rest of what the season was going to be. They won a game in the finals. They were getting on their bus out. Of, they had to run off the court, literally run. The team managers all said, "Leave your stuff. We'll get it." Everybody run to the bus. Run to the bus. They were Boston fans were throwing stuff at their bus, trying to push the bus over, screaming at them, saying, "Go back to L.A." Boston fans, I would argue, in all sports are the worst. Because that includes the Patriots for me. The Patriots that are includes terrible. the Bruins. Oh, don't that get includes, me started on the Bruins. That includes oh. the Boston Celtics, and that includes the Red Sox. Le- I yeah. would argue Boston is by far the worst. Here's the thing. Bruins fans, I'm not going to say they're bad, but they're definitely ignorant. Like... When the Blue Jackets played the Boston Bruins in the last playoff series, like the only playoff series we ever made it to the second round, I mean, we got beat pretty bad. I was at Bob's last game, and there were these Bruins fans that were right up against the glass. I'm about three rows off the ice, and they were going up and like bowing down behind the glass because Bob wouldn't stop letting up goals. Like, that's what their fan base just does, and I hate it. Also, for throwing still more in there on the t- debate of sports uh, franchises, I don't like Tottenham fans. Tottenham fans are the worst. Yes. Worst fans in Fair soccer. Mitch likes Mitch's big Tottenham guy over here. Yeah, I know uh, who they are. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we differed from... That was a good conversation. But for final votes, worst fan base in sports. Boston. Just the city of Boston. Boston. Yeah, it's Boston. All. Boston all in a grand. <laughs> <laughs> I would say, not to get off topic again, but Lakers fans are pretty bad, too. Individually, it's the Yankees, like flat okay. out worst fan base. But if we're going by like a location, it's the city of Boston. Like that yes. city should just not have sports. They should just take them away. Fair. They should be Entirely not allowed fair. to have sports. <laughs> you know, let's move over to the Guardians for a little bit. Jose Ramirez, obviously the star player for the Cleveland Guardians, is now batting second in the lineup. This is a recent change. This is a very debatable change. I have an opinion. Is this good or bad for the Guardians? This is bad. You need him in the three. You need him in the three. Come on. You think? I Listen, I think so. <laughs> I think so. Because let's be honest, he is by far our most, one of our most consistent bats. So I'd rather have, I don't know who I'd put in the one and two, but I like, I like him being in the third, right? Because that way, at least if you get one person on base, you know, you can, I don't want to be like almost expect it, but you know, if he gets a home run, you know, two's better than one. Just... That's just how it is, in my opinion, right? Like, you get somebody who's consistently getting on base with their contact, and two, get him in three. Like, put him in the three. Like, I just don't. Why do we move him? I don't I don't like it. It's out of place. You actually kind of convinced me a little bit. I was kind of leaning towards I agree with second, but after hearing you say that, putting more people on base before you let the power hitter go, I, I'm kind of agreeing with you a little more. I just think because, like, I grew up watching a very fun era of Cincinnati Reds baseball, so I just think of how that lineup worked where, like, one, two, and three was, like, I, well, I know the two and three were Brandon Phillips and Joey Votto. Brandon Phillips was your guy that, you know, he was more of a contact, less of a power, so he'd get on base, and Votto was the one that would just straight up nuke that ball out of Great American Ballpark. And that, like, Jose Ramirez for us is, like, that version of Joey Votto. Like, he is the power bat that we need to have in the three to kind of, like, you know, when we get that guy on base, when we get that consistent runner on base before him, he's going to go ahead and hit a homer. Like, that's just how it is. Like, normally your best bat goes in the three. 
You think he's definitely the Guardians' best bet? I mean, this season it's definitely a toss-up between him and Josh Naylor. I was going to say, you're going to put him over Naylor? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I am. Because I, I, I wouldn't mind having... <laughs> what? What? So, you're not? No, I'm taking Josh Naylor over him. So you think he should be at the two or the three? I think I should be at two. I think he should be at the well, two. Then, well, at that point, then I honestly is going to sound ridiculous, but if you if you don't want him at the three, then I'm bumping him down to, like, five or six. That way we Why? can still get people on. That way we can still get men on base and have Jose Ramirez get the homers. But him batting second just doesn't make sense to me. Mitch? Yeah, it's it's a little tough. I think keeping him at the three would be the smartest thing to do. I don't even think bump, bumping him down to four and moving Naylor to the three would be a bad situation. But yeah. So Pat, what's your lineup then? If you want, if you would, what is your ideal Guardians lineup? Ooh, that's a great question. Let me. I definitely know I'm keeping Jose Ramirez in the three because again. Um, your best bat normally is batting third. Like, that is normally your most consistent bat, your best bat. I mean, yeah, it could be Josh Naylor. I'm not saying that, you know, it shouldn't be. But I I think that it should 100% go. I want Brian Rocchio kind of leading it off, right? Because I think Rocchio, he's not having a bad debut season in the MLB, in my opinion. You know, I think he's been playing pretty pretty well recently. He's not the best bat we have. Certainly not the worst. Definitely Jimenez at, at the two, 100%. He is our most consistent contact batter. He doesn't have a lot of power. He is our most consistent. Okay, i take it back. At number one, at number one, I'll still take Stephen Kwan. I take that back. I want Stephen Kwan at number one. I want Stephen Kwan and Andres Jimenez because those two guys are the most consistent contact bats. You know that they're going to get on base. They're not going to hit home runs. But, you know, if they get a hold of the ball, it's at least going to be a single or a double. Like, you know they're getting on base if they can get a hold of it, right? Follow that up with Jose Ramirez to absolutely just hit it away and then follow up the following inning. I'd probably have... Eh, I'd, okay, then I'd probably have Rokio at four and then put Naylor in at five. That way you know that Josh... You know, if Rokio gets on base, then Josh Naylor just two-run homer. I'm going to kind of cut it off at there because in, like, the rest of the lineup, don't get me wrong, love the Guardians, but everybody, like, below... Josh Naylor just can't hit the baseball. I mean, Bo That's can a little bit, but, like, catchers, you know, they normally do bat late anyway, so I think I would keep Bo, like, later. But, like, besides that, like, nobody else can really hit the ball. Because you, you get you get too far down in the, bo- in the bottom of the lineup that it gets a little bit, you know, iffy on, like, where you want to move everybody. Um, I guess we're doing a full one, though. Uh, you know, at six, I'd probably take Ramon Laureano. I am glad that we picked him up in... Um, like right before the trade deadline ended, I'm I'm glad that we managed to get him. I think that was a really good signing. And then this is where it gets tough. I think probably Miles Straw next. Then you know, big contact, and then Bo Naylor. I think is like the ideal one. Yeah, absolutely. I would agree that that's an ideal lineup. Um, but yeah, the Jose Ramirez thing is extremely debatable. I I don't hate the idea of him being a two, but I see your point as well. Um, but we'll see. We'll see how it works out. Lots of stuff going on with the Guardians, especially as the season is kind of nearing the back half. We got a couple rookies. We got Bybee and we got Williams. Do you see them having a chance in the AL Rookie of the Year race? Bybee, yes. Like, without a shadow of a doubt. I think he should win Rookie of the Year. Really? Personally. 
Okay. Personally, I do. I mean, let's be honest. He is... We, we've been struggling greatly with keeping our starting rotation healthy. And he has stepped up big time. Like, I think that he adjusted so well to life in the MLB. Like, I think he's going to be a consistent pitcher in our starting rotation next season. I agree. Mitch? Yeah, I think Bybee has been the standout consistent spot for the Guardians for all season. And there hasn't been many of those. Because if you looked at the Guardians, even just their roster for the entire season, there's a ton of changes, a ton of inconsistencies. And Bobby feels like the guy that we're always saying, all right, well, he's going to do what he always does. He's developing extremely well. He's going to be the future of this team. I think that deserves to be in the conversation, if not win Rookie of the Year. Yeah, I think so, too. I think definitely in the conversation with potential to win the whole thing is the way I look at it for for Tanner Bybee. He's been phenomenal. He's earned a spot in the rotation. We've had that discussion multiple times here about if he had earned his spot in the rotation. When he was first starting out, yes. The answer is absolutely yes. I do think that he's earned his rotation. Speaking of earning things... Manny Ramirez is entering the Guardians slash Indians Hall of Fame. Called He used to call the Jake the house that he built. Manny Ramirez, a controversial Guardian in my opinion, or a controversial Guardian slash Indian. I, I don't know. I have an opinion on Manny Ramirez. I'll flip it to you guys first. Manny Ramirez is headed to the Hall of Fame. What are your thoughts? Dub. The Guardians Hall of Fame. Dub, but I'm going to be honest. He needs to let his dreads go, man. I'm so, so sorry. They're holding on for dear life. He's just got to let him go. But, no, I think he definitely deserved this. Whether, you know, whatever opinions you have or not, he's he's one of the best players that the Guardians have had. And I think he deserved to be recognized 110%. And I'm glad that he did at the end of the day. Yeah, I completely agree with the dreads. Those have got to go. That's so bad. <laughs> I just saw it, like, this morning. I was like, yo, that, those are some of the worst drives I've ever seen. I woke up and I just opened Twitter and I was like, <laughs> yo, what? <laughs> oh my. But, yeah, I also agree. I think he deserves recognition. He is one of the best hitters of all time in a lot of people's eyes. It's well-deserved. I think I know where the controversy comes from your eyes, but I'll, I'll just let you get into it. I just think... Yes, he has earned it, 100%. He's one of the best Guardians slash Indians players to ever play for the franchise. I just didn't respect his exit when he left. Yeah, understandable. I mean, Cause he I was, completely understand. He was talking a lot of lot about when he went to Boston, right? It was Boston where he ended up. Shocker. Of course it was. I just didn't Again, respect the city. exit. Again, just take that city off the face of the earth. I'm like I'm telling you, the world would be a better place if Boston, Massachusetts just did not exist. I promise. I promise. That's a hot take. I'm, That's crazy. I, I promise. Just move the you can move the teams wherever. Take them to like states that probably would have better fan bases, more respectable fan bases. And then just like but then here's the thing, like you take away Boston, like what is that gonna do? Like could you imagine what that city would turn into without sports? I it's think a bunch of angry people. I don't know. I feel like I feel like it would look like a post. I feel like it would look like something out of Fallout. If you took away sports, like sports is the fine. It was like the super glue holding that city together. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> can take their anger out on like the referees and opposing fans. But uh, you take that away in Boston. Oh, it's just bad. Yeah, 
That would be Sorry, revolutionary thing, for the sports world. <laughs> ah, nice joke. I like it. Joke. Get it? Revolutionary. Revolutionary War, Boston. Okay. Oh, wow. I didn't Boston even... I didn't get it. Sorry, I have like a history brain. That just kind of clicked. I was like, oh, dude, nice. That has a brain? <laughs> I know, right? It's a joke. Yeah. <laughs> it's a joke. Uh, yeah, but I, I think that it's earned. As much as I disliked his exit from the team back in the day, or at least... I wasn't born, so I guess I can't really have an opinion. But my dad told me that the exit was interesting. My dad went to... The funny story about Manny Ramirez. My dad went to... He had a friend that lived in Boston that was in his fraternity. My dad went to an Indians-Red Sox game in Boston after Manny Ramirez had left. And him and him and his friend were... They were laughing at it. They were laughing at Manny Ramirez, and he said he made one joke about Manny Ramirez leaving and got, like, four hot dogs thrown at him inside Fenway. Again, <laughs> you can just take Boston off the map, like, straight up. Because who wants to get hot dogs thrown at him when you're talking about a player? Nobody. My dad was just, like, a casual fan. He was just there with his friends. He's like, I'm going to make a joke. Huh? Yeah, but, you know, see, Boston... They don't Not in get, Boston. They don't get jokes no. there. They take everything way too seriously. Like, if I walk in Boston and I'm like, Tom Brady's not the GOAT, I'll probably just get, like, shot or something, like, straight up. <laughs> if I walk down... I mean, no, don't get me wrong. Tom Brady is the GOAT. But, like, let's be honest here. Like, they would do more than throw hot dogs at me if I said Tom Brady wasn't the GOAT. They booed Tom Brady. If that tells you anything about Boston. Oh, true. They might hail me as a hero. They booed Tom Brady when he... Now, I mean, that's all gone now. That was a mix. That was like when LeBron came back the second time. People were like, it was a mix. Like, some people booed. Some people cheered. I feel it was the same way. I... I don't know how you boo Tom Brady if you're a he Patriots you fan. Six Super Bowl I, rings. I'm I sorry. really, really, really he don't like him or the Patriots. My team, had, my team worked for like six rings, and then Tom Brady just stepped in and was like, "All right, I'm just going to do all that in like less than a quarter of the time that your franchise has been around." <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, I agree. Like, how do you boo the man that single hand? Like, he is the greatest quarterback that will ever walk on the face of this planet. And I do not care what anybody says about any other quarterback. Tom Brady is the best. Yeah, you think he's the greatest player just overall of all time? No. No. So no, I don't think that so. is then. Ooh. I feel like that's such a harder discussion in football. That's what I mean. It's kind there, of there's so many. I mean, if, if we're talking, like, quarterbacks, ooh, I don't know. Like, besides Brady? I feel like my initial other reaction is Peyton Manning, but I, mm. I don't know. I feel like I feel like all the I feel like all the quarterbacks like that, like they had really good systems around them. So that's why they were able to dominate in the fashion that they did. Like I don't think Tom like I think Tom Brady is the best quarterback of all time, but I don't think he's the best athlete in the no, NFL. He's not definitely not the best athlete of all <laughs> not time. Not even close, right? Like I, I just know that he's the best quarterback because he's always been able to like he's one of the guys that like, he took the pay cuts to make sure that you know he could extend Julian Edelman and Gronk almost yearly at that point. So he had a good system around him and he was dominant with that system. Like that's why he's so good. And the NFL scripted his seventh ring for him because they wanted to do that. All right. And with that, our baseball segment comes to an end. And that is going to do it for our first hour of today's show. Make sure you see before. It's got a lot of hot takes on it. So you'll want to stick with us right here on Sports Power Talk. Welcome back to the second hour of Sports Power Talk. Once again, I am your host, Logan Congrove. Joining me on the other side of the desk is Mr. Patrick Weber. Go Zoops. 
and our UFC analyst, Mr. Mitch Bates. Big Ken Roosevelt. Big Ken Roosevelt, <laughs> legend over here. And it is time for Mitch Bates' favorite segment. But before we get into it, we did want to quickly address that we are having some technological problems in the studio. So if you hear some static behind our voices, we do apologize. It's being worked on by our wonderful engineer, chief engineer, Mr. Tanner Martin, who is standing out in the hallway. Hope he can hear me. But it's time for some UFC talk. Mitch, great card last night. I know didn't really go the way you were hoping from what I'm gathering. Is that is that a correct standpoint? Yeah. Um, as far as the main event would go, I think it was a good card overall. Um, we, well, there was a couple of us that did watch it. Uh, didn't buy it, but we watched it. And What do you mean you didn't buy it, Mitch? Um, I'm telling Dana. <laughs> in a hypothetical <laughs> situation, we would have maybe got on a stream and saw the event, but it was worth it, which is my point here. It was a good event. wasn't the greatest, but also there were a couple of shocks and some big big things happened last night. Absolutely. So let's get right into the card. Sound good? Yes, sir. The first fight we're going to get into, and Pat, we're going to turn this into a game for you and I. Because and honestly, Mitch, I act like Mitch is that good at him too, but he's really not. No, I'm really not. So this could be a game for all of us. I'm going to say it first, Mitch. Correct me if I'm wrong. You have the best chance to probably. Yeah, I have have this whole card. This whole card I've got down. It's easy. Pat, do you have the card pulled up? I do have the card pulled. All right, I'll let you go first. We're going to start with uh, the bantamweight bout fight. You know, do you see that one? Yeah. So all right, let's hear what 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 do you think? It's Marlon Vera. And Pedro Munoz. Yeah? Yep. You got it, Pat. You got nice it. job. <laughs> nice job, Patrick. Mitch, <laughs> toss it to you first. <laughs> what did you like out of this fight? Good first fight of the card. Yeah, this was a solid fight. Uh, Pedro Munoz was very aggressive in this fight. Pushed the pace every single round. He didn't look tired at all. And I think there was a little bit of disagreement in the room while watching as to who won And there was some referees that gave Vera three rounds and gave no rounds to Munoz, which makes no sense. I don't understand how you think Vera won that first round. But overall, Marlon Vera got the job done. It was probably the second most boring fight on the main card. But Marlon Vera is also about to get a title shot now, according to the new Bantamweight champ, which... uh, if you're a diehard UFC fan, you're not really looking forward to, unless you're Alex Henry, but <laughs> I wanted Marab to get the next title fight. I just thought it made the most sense, but I guess Marlon Vera is going to get beat up for five rounds, and that's what we'll call a title fight. So, <laughs> so you're not a Marlon Vera guy? Uh, I was until his recent performances, specifically against Sandhagen, where he got put on his back and just lay there for every round and got beat up on. But, hey, now he beats Pedro Munoz and he gets a title fight. Kind of like Sean O'Malley, which... Sugar Sean. Well, that that fight also, I believe he got disqualified after in the second round, but it's a little different, but still. I don't think Vera deserved the shot over Sandhagen or over Marab, so... Yeah, I, I agree. This fight, I feel the same way as you do, and... It was very unentertaining is the word that I would yeah. use. Um, I do. I like the energy, though, Mitch. Every time 
every time we talk about UFC, you got the strongest opinions, and I can see it in your face that you're like getting actually irritated about things, and it's great. It's it's passion. I feel passion towards the sport. I've been getting closer to it. The more I understand, the more passion I feel. It's a yeah. I feel the same way. I I did not watch UFC at all. The first what fight? What uh? What card was Izzy on the you last were on time? Izzy Pajeda, I believe. You were at the big knockout, right? Yeah, that was the first UFC card uh, I watched. Yeah, I don't remember what exact card that was. I'm about to look it up real quick. But, yeah, that was your first one, 287. Wow. And we're at 290, 292 now, so. Yeah, that, that really put me on the UFC. I Izzy, Izzy's the GOAT. Izzy's that was the, goat. the perfect time to get put on for, like, new fans. Yeah. Just seeing the craziest knockout of the year. But, in Miami, too. Yeah, it, it was a great wow. event. It's going to be hard to match that, though. And that's what I hope the new fans realize is that there's not always going to be a crazy knockout like that. Like, you got to stick with us through through the straight decisions, through the whole main card, through the fight nights, all of that. Was the knockout caused because of the culture down there, Mr. Congo? <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know, yeah, you be knowing, actually. He culture won that. Culture won't get us there, so it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who's on the it gets everybody there, you know. It's just the city. It's it's the greatest thing ever. But let's move on to the next fight. Pat, take it away with your pronunciation of this one. We're going to go to the next bantamweight bout. Uh, so I know the one is Mario Batista, and I want to say, is it Damon Blackshear? It's Damon. Damon. Pat. I would have said the same thing, though. I'm not going to lie, Pat. Yeah, I mean, I I've was... heard, like, the announcers last night said it both ways. Like, Bruce Buffer said it one way, and then John Anik said it another way. I'm so. going with Bruce, whatever Bruce Buffer says. I'm not, because Bruce Buffer, like, has some terrible pronunciation sometimes. <laughs> but he's Bruce Buffer, so. I love Bruce Buffer. He's a legend. Hall of Famer in himself. Of course. But, Mitch, let's talk about the Black Shear versus Bautista fight. The winner of this one was obviously Bautista. What did you take away from this one? Yeah, in my opinion, this was... Ah, it's tough to call it boring, but I just couldn't really find much interest in it. There wasn't, like, any huge moments in the fight where it was captivating of my attention. It was a solid win for Bautista. It wasn't even... It wasn't debatable when it came down to decision. Everyone pretty much had the idea that he was going to win the fight. Um, I missed the entire first round, and I didn't realize that I missed the entire first round until I Same came fan. back up here. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, as far as the fight goes, Batista didn't prove too much. I it This wasn't a huge fight for me. It was probably the least captivating of my attention of the whole night. Yeah, I, I felt the same. I I think I actually, because I had some people over, mm-hmm. I might have missed this fight, actually. I missed the first part of this fight, so yeah, I don't remember. I, it, the fact that it's not that memorable to, memorable to me is kind of tells enough. me everything I need to know. But coming out of this fight, Mitch, which which one of these guys do you think had the best effort? Um, it was definitely Batista. I mean... He was getting going what he wanted to get going. He obviously didn't want to put himself in too much danger. He wanted to break, kind of break apart Blackshear, and 
he, he wasn't putting himself at risk, which is the smartest thing you can do. And Batista's an aggressive fighter, too. But, yeah, I think he looked he looked good. I would like to see a tougher challenge for him. Yeah, absolutely. Pat, Pat do you watch UFC at all? Um, I do on the occasion. I'm not, like... You know the biggest follower you're of it. Ca- but if it's, you're casual. Yeah, I mean, if it I, happens, I'm the same if way. If it happens to be on, you know, if I'm over at one of my buddies' house and you know there happens to be a card on, we'll throw it on. Or if I happen to be out somewhere, like at beat ups or something, if it's on, obviously I'm going to watch it. But I, that's like about it. I'm the same way, Pat. You know I'm getting, I mean? I'm getting there, but I'm the same way as you. So like, I, I like it, but I'm also one of those guys. Like I'm just really in it for the fight, like just the knockouts. Yeah. Like when they <laughs> wrestle, I'm like, I'm like, just stand up and punch each other, please. <laughs> I know it sounds so like weird to say, but like that's what I'm thinking. Like, and don't get me wrong, there are some like fights that I watch, and like when they do wrestle for a majority of it, I'm like, all right, like it's entertaining, but like I'm still like just like punch each other, yeah, do it, (laughs) swing. (laughs) All right, moving on to our next fight, the welterweight bout. Pat, take it away. Ian Gary and Neil Magny. Yep, boom, you got it, Pat. Mitch, let's hear from you on this fight. Yeah, I'm gonna express. Not too much, but a little bit of passion here. Not going to spend too much time on it. Ian Gary is a punk. It's, I don't <laughs> like this kid at all. And I know he's a great boxer. He's up and coming. I'm sure Dana thinks he could be the next Conor McGregor because he's from Ireland. <laughs> and he's got a little bit of Mike skill. But it was very clear. Neil Magny had a problem with his leg from the first kick that Ian Gary threw of the night. He fell on the ground. It was immediate. The entire fight was Ian Gary not searching for a finish, but simply going to hurt Neil Magny to extend the fight, to display that he's a boxer and that he's the best technical fighter in the division. It was There was no class after the fight, getting up, throwing him the birds, if you know what I mean. Mitch, and, I don't know if you're seeing this, but your, your co-partner for our podcast here, Mr. Alex Henry, just sent a message saying, L. Mitch, Ian, a dog. He's a dog, but he's an idiot. Like, why <laughs> Why are we supporting this guy? And why Why do that to Neil Magny? Like, you, sure, he beat him down the entire fight. It wasn't close at all. And I think he should get a way tougher fight. Steven Thompson, who he called out after the fight, I think that would be an amazing fight. But I just think the attitude of Gary last night, like, ruined the performance for me. Like standing over him and screaming at him when he when he's clearly like injured, not hurt, but he's injured, and you didn't get the real Neil Magny fight. You couldn't even get him out of there when he was injured in the first round. But I don't think he was looking to. I just think he's a punk too, to be honest. Hmm. Yeah, I Gary helped me out in a <laughs> lot of ways last night. So I like the guy, but yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I I didn't understand the like why do that to Maggie. Yeah. yeah, and and my good buddy Alex Henry said Neil's a punk, and Neil started in the presser. <laughs> I, I think it's kind of a difference between doing it in the presser and then being an actual punk after the fight. It wasn't as much during the fight as it was after, where I, I would love to see every fighter after the fight dap up, hug, respect. And it just didn't seem like that. I don't like when any fighter does that. Except Khabib, because I think he had a proper reason to do that with the Conor fight. But and it's just my opinion. I don't 
Are you a Khabib guy? Mm, I wouldn't even call myself a Khabib guy. I actually like Connor more, but the build-up there was a, a little much for a lot of UFC fans. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. Do you, off topic, McGregor is when you see is McGregor scheduled to fight again soon? Anyone knows. I mean, Conor McGregor has been talking a lot, but he's not signing any contracts. I heard there was like a bunch of trouble with USADA and him getting his drug testing in. He could fight Michael Chandler in December. That's what he said, but I wouldn't take his word for it. Yeah, he he does. Conor McGregor talks a lot. Are you a McGregor fan, I should ask? Um, I used to be, but what's been going on with him recently, it becomes tougher and tougher yes. to be a fan of him. I agree, 100%. There's so many bad things that happen that I'm just like, okay, it's... Like, what's it's, the point? It's yeah. tough to support you now. Right. Moving on to our next fight, this one is going to be interesting for Pat. Pat, <laughs> let's hear it. The woman's strawweight title bout. So, the uh, one of them is definitely Amanda Lemos. I think Lemos. He messed up the easy one. Yeah. I did? Yeah, but yeah. keep going before I buzz you. All right. And then <laughs> <laughs> I think this one is, is it Zhang Welly? I don't know. Mm, I'm not here giving my effort. I want to hear Logan. You, you, you try. <laughs> you, you try. try. You try. Zhang Welly and Amanda <laughs> Lemos. That's what I would have said. What did you say for the second one? Amanda Lemos. 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 Yeah. And Zhang Weili. Oh, yeah. Wow, we were way off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a big X on that one. Mitch, what did you like about this fight? This was a good fight. I like this fight. I enjoyed the fight, and UFC fans enjoyed it if you enjoyed domination. This was the most one-sided performance in, debatably, in women's strawweight history. She had the performance of the night, in my opinion. Yeah, oh, easily. Zhang Weili did basically whatever she wanted. And I believe one round, one judge gave a round to Lemos, which I'm assuming was the fourth round, but I'm not sure. And that blows my mind because the strike differential in this fight told the story in itself. I believe there was a point where Zhang Weili had like 250 strikes landed and Lemos had 21. It was... Keeping her on the ground, just beating her head in the entirety of the fight, pretty much. She took her to the ground whenever she wanted. I believe she set a personal record for takedowns in a fight, which was six. And this was an absolute beatdown. I was just pulling up the strikes because I wanted to see the difference. It's crazy. 296 to 29. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Whoa. Yeah, it was. Now I wish I would have been able to catch that one. That that is like I I literally cannot imagine the differential on that. Like almost three hundred landed strikes to not even thirty. And watching it was just like Lamos would do a good job of switching position on the ground and trying to get out of harm's way. But it's like wherever she went, Whaley was there, kept her on the ground pretty well. Just kind of, it was a lot of ground and pound. That at this point I'd left my house. I was out with my friends and we were watching it on a phone. And there were so many so many people surrounding us where we were watching mm-hmm. watching it on our phone. And 
when when she was going like in, people were like, "Oh man, this this is the fight of the year." This is I was like, "Fight of the year is a stretch, but it is a good fight." <laughs> yeah, it, it it was a fight. You're right. It was definitely a fight. <laughs> but let's move on to the main events, which I know Mitch has some thoughts on. So do I. Mm. Pat, take it away. Well, obviously we've got Sugar Sean O'Malley. Yep. Yep. I'm a big Sean O'Malley guy. I I, I follow him a little bit. I am bit. now. <laughs> I follow him a little bit. And then I want to say it's Aljamain Sterling. It's Aljamain Sterling. I'll give it to him. Yeah. I would agree. That's that's good enough. Mitch, this one didn't go your way. Yeah. It, it didn't, didn't go a lot of people's way. Yeah. If you put money on Sean O'Malley, congratulations to you. Thank you. Yeah. I'm speaking to you <laughs> and Alex, I believe. But, yeah, it was a good – there were probably great odds on that, too, weren't they? Yeah. Um, but – Not to discuss betting over the air, but, yes, yeah. it, was, it was favorable. We're going to keep it at that. But Sterling, I was big on him before this fight, and I thought he was going to shoot for takedowns with much more urgency than he did. First round, it looked like he kind of just wanted to feel him out and box with him a little bit, which – I don't think that's bad in the first round to do, but the second round, all, all it takes is one with Sean O'Malley. We know that. We saw it with when he fought Almeida, when he fought Eddie Wineland. All it takes is one right hand from Sean O'Malley, and it's lights out for anyone in that division. And Sterling looked like he was trying to come inside, possibly land something and shoot for a takedown, counter right hand from Sean O'Malley, end of the night. Some people say early stoppage. I'm not mad at the people saying early stoppage because it did look like Sterling was kind of still flopping around and trying to make his way to get on his stomach and cover up a little bit. But at the end of the day, he got dropped. He was getting beaten down. The referee had seen enough. That's how it goes in the UFC. That's how it goes in MMA, period. And... I think Sterling won the first round barely, 10-9, but didn't end up mattering. Sean O'Malley is the new Bantamweight champion. Why you say that so sad, Mitch? Because I like Sterling, and there's so many people that dislike Sterling for reasons I could never understand. Like, I get that they think he was acting when he got kneed by Piotr Jan, but I, I don't think that's a reason to hate on Aljamain Sterling. And he he defended his belt several times. He's a great, one of the best wrestlers in that division, if not the best wrestler in that division. But he could be moving up now. But even after the fight, he said, you know, if Sean O'Malley's dropping me like that, imagine what Volk would do. And, yeah, I don't even want to think about that fight anymore. <laughs> well, yeah, that's going to do it for UFC 292. Before we head to Hot Mike, let's quickly talk about the two top fights of UFC 293, starting with, I'll try and pronounce this one, Mitch, tell me if I'm wrong. Ty Tuvesa and Alexander Volkov. Volkov was correct. It's Ty Tuivasa. <laughs> Tragic. But, Mitch, let's talk about this one first. What are you expecting out of this fight once we get to UFC 293 on Saturday, September 9th? Which means we will probably have another UFC podcast out for those of you who listen to that. Make sure to subscribe to us. SBT Overtime available on all platforms. 
And with it being on a Saturday, that means Sunday, September 10th, we will be having a very similar discussion reviewing the card. So let's talk about this fight first, Mitch. What are you expecting? Yeah, uh, we will be having a podcast, so everyone wait on that and tune in with me and Alex Henry. But, yeah, this is going to be a banger. And I like heavyweight fights with guys that I know are just going to swing and try to take the other person's head off. And Tai Tuivasa does that in a technical kind of style. He's very aggressive, strong. Volkov, I would see him as the more technical big boxer. Volkov's got some very good wins under his name. But at the end of the day, my fight pick may change because this event isn't that close. It's only August 20th. This event takes place September 9th. But I think Tuivasa can get it done and start to get his name back in with the top heavyweights in this division. He's ranked sixth right now. Volkov is ranked eighth. I think... Um, I'm not sure if they're done building this card as a whole, which if they are, that's fine. But I wouldn't really like to see this in a co-main. I think it'd be a really good third fight on the card. But either way, I've got Tuivasa, and I've got him by knockout. Wow. Okay. Pat, as a casual fan, before we get into the main event of this card, as a casual fan... I know you said knockouts and so what what do you look forward to in a fight as somebody who doesn't consistently watch? If you if you were gonna turn on a fight, what would what would be that reason for you to turn on before you even watch? Like I know knockouts. I, I wanna see the heavyweight fights. I'm sorry, but there's <laughs> there's nothing more entertaining than me when you just have two heavyweights just going at it. Like I'm talking just Dude, straight slugging. You need each to other. come to Cage Thunder. I'm telling you down. right now, you need to come to Cage Thunder with, with Alex no. Henry. Well, Alex Henry, for those of you who don't know, works for an MMA promotion here in Akron called Cage Thunder. It's a great event. There's another one coming up here shortly. I don't remember the date off the top of my head. But you're going to want to be there because, Pat, the heavyweight events at Cage Thunder are awesome. I went for the first time with Jake and Alex, and one of the heavyweight fights ended in six seconds six <laughs> one single punch and it was over <laughs> see it's stuff like that, that like, i don't know it's just like seeing the brute like just strength because like normally heavyweights like they don't really grapple that much they don't really wrestle it's just about if you can out punch the other guy and that's and those are the type of fights that i love to watch like you know i'll definitely be watching this fight yeah well yeah you should definitely come to cage thunder that I, mitch have you gone yet to cage thunder no i have not but i actually really want to we need to go when's the it, next one i don't know off the top of my head that's ah. terrible but we'll find out alex will tell us alex is a commentator so he, he's got to know uh before we head well let's quickly touch on the main fight the, of this next card before we head to our three hot mic questions for the week uh israel adansanya and sean strickland no point in playing the pronunciation game with both of those yeah, that's nope. exactly how they're pronounced but I'm a big Izzy guy. Mitch, what are you expecting from this fight? I am also a really big Izzy guy. Probably one of my top three favorite fighters right now. There's not too much to go over with this fight because it's going to be a domination. Israel Adesanya is going to do exactly what he did to Marvin Vittori. He's going to do what he was doing to Paulo Costa back in the good old Izzy days. This, I don't even think it was the right fight to make because I would have liked Adesanya Duplessis, but... Strickland, I guess they're going for the fight buildup to bring in a lot of a lot of the monies because that's what Dana White seems to be into. And 
it'll probably do fair numbers, but as far as competition, I wouldn't go as far as saying Sean Strickland has a shadow of a chance. I absolutely agree. I think Adesanya takes this heavily. Adesanya is just, in my opinion, he is, eh, no. I was going to say best fighter in UFC right now, but... I'm. You wouldn't. I. I think that's a hot take. I was considering saying it, but then I pulled it back. No, that's all right. I think you recent. Say it. Let's let's call it recently because, in my opinion, I don't support the guy. But like you know, the Conor McGregor's, the Khabib's, they're like high tier. Everybody knows who they are, popularity wise. Mm-hmm. But I think right now, as as to people who have recently fought, Anasanya is probably the best. I would put him second behind John Jones. Yeah. Okay. Yes. That's fair. Entirely. And that John Jones fights with Stipe coming up in like two cards. Is that two ninety five or two ninety four? I believe it's two ninety five. That's going to be a great that fight. On Actually, it's not going to be eleventh. It's November. not going to be a great up. fight. It's going to be a terrible fight. But I'm excited to watch it. I think it could be a great fight. I think, and it is on two ninety five. I think it could surprise a lot of people how good Stipe Miocic does. I'm, I'm pulling for him. I'm worried for John Jones in a certain, in a John Jones fan type of way. I'm a little bit worried about him, way more than against Gone. But I still think John Jones is the greatest of all time, and you never bet against the greatest of all time. It's just absolutely. You can't do. Yeah, absolutely agree. Before we head into our break, we have three hot mic questions, and they all come in from now Logan Congrove, a great, but formerly Jake Murn, a goat. And as always, every time he has questions, you got to play his voice. Yes! Because this is essentially a segment that runs through this kid now. So the questions for the week coming from Logan Congrove, a great formerly Jake Murray, a goat. First question is, is Ian Gary the real deal? I'll pitch this one to you, Mitch. Yes, he is. I would agree. Ian Gary is the real deal, especially after that fight last night. So, you know what? Again, Jake Murray, a goat. Logan Congrove, a great. Yes! He's the real deal. He is the real deal. Next question is most overrated sports city. We talked a little bit about the worst fan bases. This is actually an interesting question. I like this. Mm. I think the most overrated sports city is going to be bold, but Cincinnati, Ohio. Hmm. And I'll just say it as it is. Um, Bengals fans, I don't get where they get this whole delusion from, right? Your own five in the Super Bowl, like era, you've not won one Super Bowl. You haven't even come close to winning a Super Bowl, alright? Uh, the Reds are just always, like, even when they're good, their division is just better than them, right? So, like, they're having a really good season. I'm talking, like, if they, mm-hmm. if the Reds played in our division, they would be on top. But they're not. And they're holding on to these old players like Vado and everybody. It's like, just let them go, man. The only thing that City has to say for itself is that the Reds were the first baseball team ever. That is it. There's, like, nothing else they can say. The Reds haven't won a World Series since, I want to say it was the mid to late 70s. And I don't understand why. And this is coming from me because I am from the southern Ohio area. I don't know why people think Cincinnati is such a great sports city. I, I really don't. Yeah. Yeah, Mitch? I find it tough to argue with that. I, I would have to agree because I think overrated is tough as far as all time and all sports. But I think Cincinnati is a pretty good pick here. I'd say them or Toronto. And I, I say that because the Toronto Maple Leafs are quite literally the most fraudulent NHL franchise to ever exist. 
I would give the nod to Toronto. That's not bad. If we're going to go American, though, oh, I think Dallas is just so overrated, dude. Facts. Yeah, yeah the true. Mavs and everything. Yeah, because the, the Mavs just aren't good and the Stars aren't that good either. No. It's, like, they're, they're not very good. Luka? No, he means like the Dallas Stars, the hockey team. Oh, oh, yeah, I was. I thought, yeah, no, I thought, I thought the same stars. thing at first. No, I was like, my bad. What? My bad. No, it's so like the Dallas. I was talking about the hockey team. They're just not that good either. Like, yeah, they consistently make the playoffs, but I mean, like, they haven't really done enough to like really wow me. I guess you know what I mean. And it's like they're always talking about every like, oh, this is a Stanley Cup contending team, or like the Cowboys. This team can win us the Super Bowl, and it's just like, okay, when? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And the last hot mic question we have is favorite movie. This is so hard for me. Like, I get, every I, time I anyone asks me questions like this, I just I, I don't like answering I can them. give you my top two okay. real quick. But number one is definitely Oppenheimer. That movie is wow, the really? greatest movie. Wow. Of I've, all time? Yes. I okay. think it is the best movie ever produced, personally. It wow. was really, really good. Close second, but it's just because I do just enjoy the movie at Pacific Rim. Mitch. Yeah. Give me, look, I'm not a big movie guy. I don't watch many movies. So I'm okay with just watching Ride Along, Kevin Hart, Ice Cube. That's, give me a, that that's movie. a dumb movie. Yeah, any day. Or like Central that. Intelligence, Kevin Hart and the that's Rock. That's a good one. I love Central that movie. Any movie with Kevin Hart is just good. Exactly. That's a fact. Central Intelligence is funny, dude. <laughs> I would say I have two. One of them, I'm a big Adam Sandler guy. One of them, oh, yeah. Billy Madison, 100%. Billy Madison is so funny. If you haven't watched Billy Madison, you're living under a rock. The other one that I really like, actually, I got to give three. Beverly Hills Cop with Eddie Murphy. Hysterical. All of them. The first and second one. The rest are, are not good. First and second one are very funny. But the one, the movie I love the most, the Eddie Murphy movie that I love the most is Coming to America. The first Coming one. America the so first one. Good. The second one ruined it. The first one was so good. I'm going to give you a little sneak peek of the best part of that movie. Someone to kiss, someone to miss, <laughs> to be loved, to be loved, oh, to be loved. This show is wild. We have you singing on air right and now. Dude, <laughs> it's when he stands out. You've seen it, right? Oh, I've when seen When he it. stands out his window, he goes, yes, I love America. And then the response. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Oh, that movie. That movie is just the best. <laughs> but that's going to do it for Hot Mike in our UFC talk. Make sure you subscribe to SPT Overtime so you don't miss any more UFC talk off of the air between Alex Henry and Mitch Bates. It's probably our best and most successful podcast that we have up here at the station. But stick with us as we have one more segment remaining in today's show. You won't want to miss it. Stay here on WZIP. Welcome back to the final segment of today's Sports Power Talk here live from the University of Akron. Once again, I'm your host, Logan Congrove. Joining me on the other side of the desk is Bobby Boucher. Well, how are we doing here? University of Akron <laughs> and fellow listeners from the Northeast Ohio area. My name is Bobby Boucher, and I hope you will enjoy this uh, last segment with us today. Thank you. <laughs> uh, also known as Mr. Patrick Weber. You put me on the spot like that. Like, oh. That was impressive. Wait, give me give me the Rick from, from Big Mouth. Oh, the... <laughs> I don't know. Like, I just randomly great. found out I can do... Like, it's only those two impersonations I can do, like, really well. 
I can, oh, you I definitely can do them really well. I can impersonate like literally nobody else at all except Bobby Boucher and Rick from Big Mouth. I don't know how to explain it. <laughs> hey, it's pretty impressive. <laughs> and on the other side of the desk, our UFC analyst, the man with the sunglasses inside, Ken Roosevelt football legend. Mitch Bates. Yeah, and I also want to shout out Kent Roosevelt for beating the Ravenna Ravens yesterday. It was a great performance. I'm proud of all of you. Matt McCann, continuing the number eight legacy. I'm proud of you. Shout out to the alma mater. Shout out to the alma mater. But hey, it's time to talk some college athletics. We've been waiting a long time to talk about this. It is finally Ah. here. But before we start about college football, let's quickly touch on our Zips men's basketball team who took a trip, a very cool trip, called the Summer Tour Zips in Puerto Rico. Played a couple games out there and did not lose. They were, I believe, very dominant. (laughs) Like, literally, like, I was looking. We were playing some of, like, um, the Puerto Rican leagues. I'm pretty sure, like, they're all-star teams. Yes. And we were beating them by, like, 50. (laughs) Well... Yesterday, they did finish 3-0. Yesterday was their last game. They won 91-65 against Puerto Rico's select team. Enrique Freeman finished with 15 points, 8 rebounds, 7 for 10 shooting. Ali Ali, 14 points, 3 assists, 4 for 7 from 3. Shama Scott, 11 points, 5 assists. And Mike Dawson, who is finally back for the Zips, 11 points, 5 rebounds, and 3 assists. 3-0 on the summer tour. What have you seen early on from the Zips that makes you excited for the season down the road? Already off rip, Ali Ali, I'm sorry for everything I said when you, you were left. a hater. You were I'm such a so hater. I'm so sorry for everything I said when you left. I am so happy that you are back on this on this team. Wow. I mean, I already could just see how much better we looked as a team on the on the on the court when Ali Ali was on the court. Like we looked just so much more fluent. With him out there. Like, I don't know how to explain it, but, like, last year it was like, you know, we were really good last year, but you could tell we were missing just, like, one key piece. And I think that key piece might have been Ali Ali. Like, we looked just so... We looked like... I don't know how to explain it. We we just looked utterly dominant. Like, I'm sorry, after this, like, if you have anybody else picked to win the Mid-American Conference in basketball, kindly reconsider everything that you're doing. Because the Zips are going to absolutely smash the Mac in basketball. Mitch? Yeah, I 100% agree. I'm getting really excited just by seeing these. And I didn't get to watch the games, but I did look through them and what happened in them. And it just builds excitement. Like, when you know that you are going to beat Kent State twice in the regular season, and you know that probably your biggest threat at the MAC would again be Toledo... I, I just feel I feel good. It feels like we're on the other side of the situation. Yeah. I think this season Enrique Freeman is going to solidify himself as the greatest basketball player that's ever played at this school. Yes! I would agree. Enrique and so Freeman does him. Jake Murray Goat. Enrique Freeman is him. Like we know he's going to the league. He's going to get drafted. Like oh, that is for without sure. a shadow of a doubt. Server he will be going. Um sorry, Kawhi. I love you, buddy, but you know. Your time's starting to come down to an end here. <laughs> I can't I can't keep vouching for you like I used to when you can't play more than twenty five games in a season. I just, you know, it gets a little bit tough. So I'm gonna be I'm gonna follow Enrique like wherever he goes, because obviously Zip's Homer in me, but just like I'm so excited. It's not only are we gonna beat Kent twice in basketball, we're gonna beat him in football. We have a very good chance to sweep our rivals in almost every single sport. I am so I'm I'm ready for that. I'm gonna be honest. I've been waiting for, for sure. this for my entire time. We're seniors, Pat. 
It's been a long time. Yeah, it's been all four years, and I still have yet to see us beat them in football. But this is the year. This and is not the only year. that, but in basketball, we are going to wipe the floor with them. You know like, what I? You know how I feel about Enrique. Enrique's my guy. Enrique's my guy. He he's <laughs> he's just he's so good. He's him. Enrique's now my we guy. have Ali Ali back, so it's like you know yeah we lost X, so we lost like our main scorer, but we just got Ali Ali back, and you know Ali I'll, Ali's production is going to be major. Yes, because here's the thing. Even though I know that at the end of the day, he would still only contribute, like, average, like, the 14 points or so in the season, um, like, that he left us, right? He, that 14 points still, like, if you, if you look at where it kind of fell off, it was like, yeah, he was scoring 14, but X was only scoring 14, too. So then we relied right. on X a little bit more to be our main scorer. Well, now he's gone. So Ali Ali, we're going to lean on him to be our main scorer, and I agree. I think his production and... Um, how he's going to play on the court is going to be wild and something that we've never seen. Like I remember um, when I was covering the MAC tournament um, in the year that we actually won the MAC tournament. Um, one of the reporters, I want to say it was for Bowling Green, was telling me that the way that Ali Ali plays is a lot like Kevin Durant, and I agree with that. I think we're going to see we're, we we basically have Kevin Durant 2.0 on our team right now. <laughs> I feel great. I, like. Right now, it's it's a time to be a Zips fan. Like, if you're not a Zips fan, then what are you doing? Like, seriously, like, what what are you doing? <laughs> Come on, why are you laughing, Mitch? <laughs> no, no, I, I agree with the things he's. You're saying. not a Jeff Longville, are you? A, I go to this school and don't support any of the sports. No, no, it's not that at all. I I agree with what he's saying. It was just the Kevin Durant thing that kind of like surprised me a little. <laughs> that bit. took you back, I, Kevin well, Durant two point I mean, but think about it. like the way that with Ali Ali's size and the way that he's able to move with the ball. Like he he just reminds me so much of a Kevin Durant like style player, right? Because he's tall, he's lengthy, and the way that he can move with the ball, it's like watching a point guard handle the ball. And he's six foot nine. <laughs> he could be Bobo two point oh. I don't want to go there. I don't. I don't, don't want to <laughs> go there because listen, Bobo. Like no, we already have Bobo two point It's Victor Wembanyama. Three point then. <laughs> <laughs> if we have a three point I mean, listen. But either way, Ali Ali, he's going to dominate the Mid American Conference. Like, I'm just so excited because like I've been waiting for like the school to have like all sports kind of firing on all cylinders, and I think this is going to be the year that like major success in all of our athletics across like all of the athletic teams that we have here on campus. I'm seeing some major success. I sure hope so, Pat. I sure hope so because, like I mentioned, we're both seniors. It's been a long time. And I've yet to see the Akron football team win more than one game in my yeah. time here. <laughs> I've, I've so, yet to miss a home game. Wow. Hey, that's impressive, Pat. It hurts. Like, I don't think you realize that, like, last year when the Steelers started, like, 1-9 or whatever. Not 1-9, but, like, 1-6, I think it was. We were, like, one of the worst teams in the league. And I was bouncing back and forth between watching the Zips play football on Saturday and Kenny Pickett try to throw the football on Sunday. It was the worst stretch of my life. <laughs> let's <laughs> let's break down the zip schedule here. I'm using, by the way, the new University of Akron Athletics app. If you search on the app store Akron Zips, it will come up, and it's I the promise best app you, out there. it is it's pretty worth it. It's it's a very good app. It makes it very easy to use. Look at and follow all your favorite Zips teams. So shout out to the Akron Athletic Department for coming out with this. is very easy for us here on Sports Power Talk. So I'm going to break down the schedule game by game, and you're each going to pick win or lose and how close, whatever else you want to say about each game, we will talk about them. Starting off with the season opener, Saturday, September 2nd at Temple. This is on ESPN+. Plus. What are your thoughts on this season opener? Easy dub. What? Easy dub. Easy dub. I'm, Mitch? I'm easy. 
Easy. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about easy. Lorenzo Lingard. I would go field winnable. Day incoming. I would go winnable, but I, I mean, would. You, you can I go would, winnable. I'm I'm saying easy because I know we're gonna win the game. Yeah, that's kind of crazy to me. I don't <laughs> I don't know if they're really gonna win that game. We're, we're gonna, we're gonna I say toss up, but unfortunately, a loss would be. Yeah, no way. I'm, I'm gonna go with a loss too. That's wild. Loss. It's on the road. Loss on the so, road. Next up, Saturday, September 16th at Kentucky, again on ESPNU. You missed one. Oh, yeah, you missed one. Oh, I'm sorry. Excuse me. Saturday. We, we play more. I mean, you can't yeah. skip that one because that, that's a win. <laughs> that's a win. Saturday, yeah, that's a win. September 9th at 6 o'clock. This is our first home, home game at InfoCision Stadium against Morgan Morgan State. Be there, be square. Yeah. That's all I got to say. If you're going to be at a game, come to this game. Or the Kent one. Yeah. That's fair. On a Wednesday? Listen, I don't care if it's on a Wednesday. I'm already. I already know. I'm that not is going the dumbest marketing day. move by the Mid American Conference of all time. Yeah, I know. That's stupid. I know. But I'm. I've already decided I'm not going to class the next day because we are going to win, and I'm going to celebrate. Gary that Miller, day. we do not approve of this. I'm very sorry. Patrick Weber will be attending class. Wink, wink. <laughs> okay, if we lose, I will be because I'm just going to be no, sad. You won't, Pat. Let's be real. No, I will. You ain't going either way. No, I will. If, if if we lose, I will. You smell that, Mitch? Don't even. Don't even. Smells like cap. It smells like cap. Cap. Pat all Weber right. going all to right. class after a big loss to Kent. All right. All Ooh. right. Strong scent over here on this side of the desk. Hey. <laughs> hey. Uh, but yeah, just, I, I won't be able to show my face after the amount of like trash I'm going to be talking. I'm just going to be like, yep. <laughs> but yeah, I'm going to go win. Morgan. Morgan State is a win. For so both home. of you start off at home. I think it's not so only far, a win, right? but it's a big win. Oh yeah, no, it's going to be a big win. I think it'll be a big win too. Followed up. By, as I mentioned before, September 16th at Kentucky. Loss. Loss. Yeah, unfortunately. I That's one you just got to give it. You just got to give it up. That's yeah. a loss. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I will be honest, though. If we're being honest, like if I'm going to do my predictions, I do have us starting the year as a possible 3-1. and one, But Kentucky is the guaranteed loss in that 3-1. and one. Yeah. Because Indiana is just not that good. No, they're, they're simply not that good. And if there's any team that's going to lose to a MAC team in the Big Ten, it's going to be a toss-up between Indiana or Northwestern. Yeah, I would say Akron does not win those big games. I'm not going to lie. I think all. I think the Indiana game we can win. I don't think they beat mm, Akron's not beating a Big Ten school. We can. Yeah, I don't. I don't think so. You're, hey, you're getting your for hopes. seven minutes and twelve seconds. Pat, I've watched them win one game in four years of being here. I'm not saying they're beating a Big Ten team <laughs> for seven minutes and twelve seconds. That's right. I know the exact amount of time. We oh, were I took a picture. I, I was jumping around. I know the exact timestamp from when we scored to when Ohio State scored. I know, the and exact that is how time sad Akron football has been yeah. over the years. But who who scored first in that game? Man, the funniest thing who scored first in that game, at man. that time, that was when everybody was still not sold on C.J. Stroud, and he was not playing great at the beginning of that game. And I was standing behind these Ohio State students. They were like, dude, there's no way that we're losing to Akron. Get C.J. Stroud off the field. It was, they I was like, hey, they I was like, us. That's all I got to yeah. say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, like, realistically, I think we can beat Indiana. I really, I think, okay, out of What's all definition of these, of realistically? <laughs> like, legitimately, I think we can beat Indiana. Like, legitimately, I think we have a chance. Like, we're going to look good again. It's not going to be a blowout, if that's what you're thinking. If you're thinking this is going to be like a like our typical, we go in and only score, like, and I, maybe seven points. Maximum. they have a chance? Yes. I li- right, and I have a chance of dating Libby Dunn. 
<laughs> like, bro, no, we we legitimately we legitimately have it because Indiana is not that good. They're not good at football. Okay, but they're in the Big Ten. <laughs> Akron's so also Northwestern's not that in the Big Ten. They lost to Bowling Green. That doesn't matter. <laughs> they lost to Bowling Green, and Bowling Green I loses think- to us. Almost every single year. I just think your expectations are slightly high on that one. No, it'll it'll cool out once we hit. The, I'm just saying that out of all of those, like realistically, I think that at best we can start the season. Boy, three you and sound one. delusional, but I'll give it to you, Pat. At, at the best, we start three and one. At the worst, two and two. At, huh? at the worst, I think worst case we go two and two because uh, we're we're going to beat Temple. Worst is like zero oh and four. Yeah, it's well, there's, Akron. There's literally it's there's, Akron. there's there's zero chance we lose to Morgan State. There's yeah, like no, actually no, no, no. zero. No, no, chance. no, 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 no. What? If we lose to Morgan State, I'll train. Saint Francis. There's no way. We if, lose. if we lose to Saint Morgan Francis State, I'm, I'm saying this, and you can clip this. If we lose to Morgan State, I'll transfer to Kent. I'll leave. I'll go be a Kent. Yeah, right. I'll, I'll go be a Kent Flash. <laughs> Swear to God. There's yeah. there, there's zero chance we lose that game. Like I, like there, you when saying I'm there, that scares zero. me so bad. It's there's not no even way funny. we lose the game. Okay, when I looked you in the face and said, realistically, these are the games we're going to win. How many times have I been wrong? But would you say there's no way we lose three of those games? Like would you? No, would you put the same bet? Would you put the same bet on if they start one and three? You would go to Kent State. No. I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> I'm not gonna do that because like that that could happen, right? Yeah. But what I'm saying is there's zero chance we lose to Morgan State, like at all. That's fair. If we lose to Morgan State with this I team, I don't like when people say that, dude. Like, because you're right, but it's Akron. But we we've improved so much. We got we had the number one we've recruiting class. We've been saying that though. In the Mac. We had the number. I know we have the number one recruiting class in the Mac. Like we should be. <laughs> we're gonna like realistically. I think a realistic season expectation is six and six, and we make a bowl game. Because they, there have been project like projections that they do have us in bowl games, which I don't think they've projected out of the to question. be in a bowl game since 2017. That's not out of the question. You yeah, know, I, I, I think I think realistically, I think our ceiling, and this is what I'm going to say, I think our ceiling as a team, like full on me being realistic with you, I think the ceiling is Again, seven and what five. What is your definition of realistic? I think <laughs> I think, I think the absolute ceiling that we can go is seven and five. I don't hate that. Right, oh, I do. But I think our floor, <laughs> our floor is a floor. Like our floor is one in ten. Our floor is no wins. It's Akron. no, no, because we're gonna beat Morgan State. I'm not. Stop saying that. We're going that to beat Morgan State. It's Akron. I don't even think it's Morgan. Akron. Morgan State's a D1 school. I don't even think they're a D1 school. Are they? No. It's, we're not gonna lose yeah, to them. Saint Francis. We still won that game. I barely. Do, I don't care. We won that game. Barely. I don't care. Barely. We won that game. Barely. A win's a win. So what MAC teams are we losing to then? Okay, so let's get, yeah, we only okay. got about seven minutes left in the show. So okay. let's get down through the rest of the schedule. We have Buffalo at home at Infocision. I take this as a win. I, yeah. I also take this uh, as a win. Buffalo's no. tough this year. They're always, I take it as a win. I take it I'm going to give a win. I, I take it as a win. Their, their team is very old. Buffalo's team is really old now. I think it's a, a toss-up, but I'll give you a win there. It's tough, though. Next up. At Infocision again is Northern Illinois. We're smashing them. That's I'm a win. sorry. We dismantled this team last year. Yeah, that's a win. Yeah, we are destroying them. Next up, in at Central Michigan. If we don't beat them this, after that 
No, that display of shame last year. <laughs> no, that was that me and Jake Murren. That was, that was no, Eastern it was Central. Trust was me, Central. me and Jake Murren sat in the stands and watched Akron fumble away that game last year. You were there, Pat. Yeah, that was Eastern Michigan. No, it wasn't. Yeah, it was. It was Central. It was Eastern. It was Central. I'm telling you, right, Jake Murren. It was Central. Th- we have three Michigans that we have to play. All right, it was like, Central. It, I'm telling you, it was whatever, Central. whatever you want to say, regardless of the fact, regardless, it's a loss. I think a loss. I think we take huh? a loss. I genuinely because here's the thing: Central Michigan is a they're always a good football school. At the end of the day, they're a very they play on yeah. the best side of the MAC that you want to play football on, and they're normally making bowl games. Like this is a very consistent program. I don't think we're going to get blown out, but I don't think we're going to win either. I think we're going to okay. lose by probably about a touchdown. You, you know what I mean? Like this is a game that we're going to be we're going to compete in, and it's going to be a real eye opener because I think that's the, like. Outside of our initial four games, that's the first challenge we have this season to Central Michigan. So as long as we play well against them, I think that we're going to open the eyes of a lot of people in college in the college football world to be like, hey, we know we've been like the biggest joke of a program for four years. That's not the case anymore. Like We're handling a team that consistently goes to bowl games and performs well in bowl games. Like They win bowl games. Right, so I think that this is a very this is going to be a game that, like I said, is going to be like a proving grounds for us. But I ultimately, unfortunately, do think we are going to take the uh, the L in that game. All right, well, I'll let you I'll let you have that one, Pat. Next up at Bowling Green, if you say anything other than win, I question why you're on a sports power talk. I agree with that statement. <laughs> Next up <laughs> on a Wednesday at Infocision Stadium again. Too easy. It's too easy. <laughs> Didn't even have to say the name. It's against too the easy. the Kent is not a state electric chickens as We're we like to call them 50. up here. We're winning by fifty. Fifty. <laughs> yup. They're not going to score points on us. I promise. That's crazy. We're going to win the game. But yeah, we're, not we're gonna gonna destroy. Win they lost 50. everybody. They lost everybody. So we're going to destroy them. Like it's not even going to be close. good. Like it's going to be pathetic. Good. I'm How tired. I'm tired of them. I'm really tired of them. I'm not as Same. on board about that as y'all are. I think a rivalry game means something different even to teams that are pretty bad. Like, even to us. Like, last year. We performed way better than anyone thought we would last year against Kent State. The odds were... For sure. I don't, I don't want to talk about that. I was real sad after that. <laughs> but we have to. Oh, I was there. They gave me hope. Uh-huh. I had so much hope. I was like, oh, my... And then it, it was like the Liberty game all over again. I was like, you're doing this to me right now, aren't you? <laughs> I'm like, you're getting me so close to being like, oh, my God. Like, we're not... A complete joke. And then we had just like... I feel like every time we had a close game last year, we just relapsed to Tom Arth-era football. You know what I mean? I wonder what Tom Arth's up to, man. I hope he's doing well. I hope he's not. <laughs> <laughs> you know how I feel about Mr. Tom Nice Arth. guy. He was a nice just, guy. Listen, I don't care if you're a nice guy or nice not. Nice guys don't Coach win the games. football team the right way and don't give scholarships to people that don't deserve Division One scholarships. Valid, valid. That is just, like, All just right. my whole point. With four like, minutes left in the show. At Miami, win or loss? We lose out the rest of the season. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Miami's going to kill us, and OU's going to win the MAC. Okay. You know what? I agree with all three of those. So we don't even have to, the last two games are Eastern Michigan and Ohio. I I think we lose. Eastern all. Michigan is like the lone toss up. That's what like Eastern Michigan's a toss up. I think it's because I never know if they're going to be really good or really bad. They have no middle ground. Either they're winning their side of the MAC, or they're on the level of play of like us. So I think that's a big toss-up. It depends on how they start their season. But OU and Miami are two big L's, like if I'm being honest with you. Like, we cannot beat Miami. They are so much better than us. And OU, that's out of the question. OU only lost, I think, two games last year. 
so that is out of the question. OU should have been ranked last year, in my opinion, but Cincinnati kind of sure. ruined non-Power 5 schools getting ranked, so For thanks, sure. Cincy. I hope you do nothing in the Big 12 and just go 0-12 <laughs> literally nonstop because you ruined any chance that Akron would have had of being ranked ever because of your performance. I don't think they ruined any chance of Akron being no, ranked. I no, Akron no, because, no, no, because hear me out, like, I'm saying that, like, for max, like, for, like, mid- conference teams, right? Like, we're not Power 5, but it's just like... It's just like, man, like, I don't know. I, I, like, just the whole performance, because, like, everybody was shocked when Cincy got ranked and ma- made it that high up the totem pole, right? And then we saw how garbage that school really is at football when they got dismembered by Michigan. And I'm not happy about it. I'm not happy about it because now, like, smaller schools like us, like, hypothetically, right? Like, say we actually have a good season where we go, like, 11-1. and one. Well, nobody's going to rank us because who's going to rank a non-Power 5 school now? The I see what you're saying. It's, it's just point. frustrating. Getting back on track, though, because that's just, like, a whole thing that I'm just... I don't know. That that, that was something that, like, I don't think since you, since you should have ever been ranked that high. Like, For that sure. was years ago now, which is weird to think about. But, no, like... I think, like I said, I, the ceiling of this is a hundred percent seven and five, seven and five, and if I'm feeling lucky, eight and four, like absolute max best is eight and four, like the like the most perfect season you can imagine is is eight and four, absolutely. But ceiling is seven and five. I think like the realistic standard is seven and five. I truly think that we'll go six and six for sure. We'll have to see where the zips end up, but that is going to do it for today's show. We had a great lineup for you. If you missed anything, make sure you look back on SPT Rewind. It's going to be available on all streaming platforms. Guys, any final thoughts before we close out the show? As always, go Steelers, go Zips, go Guardians, go Jackets, go Arsenal. Shout out to my mom and my dad. They're both tuned in and listening. My dad's out in Las Vegas right now on a business trip. My mom back home in our lovely hometown in Southern Ohio. So. I just visited. I know. See, okay, truth be told, what did you think of? of I liked my it. Hometown? I thought Wittenberg was a really nice campus. Wittenberg's, here's the thing Wittenberg is a beautiful campus, but it's like, I don't know if you. I didn't think it was that bad. I liked it. It, it was can, a good town. I mean, the only thing I'd say is, like, we do have the most crime per square foot in the state of Ohio. We're not really, like, a safe city at all. <laughs> but there's nothing wrong with Springfield. It's just, like, I just, you know, I couldn't be there personally. Mitch, final thoughts? Yeah, go Zips, go Hawks, go Rough Riders, and it's been fun being up here with you two. Oh, yeah, this was a great show. I totally agree. I like to close all my shows that I host with a quote. This week's quote is, if people are doubting how far you can go, go so far that you can't hear them anymore. That quote is from Michelle Ruiz. Got to give the quick shout-out to my Walsh Jesuit women's soccer team. Our season began yesterday with a 10-0 win over Toledo Central Catholic. It was quite the dub. It's going to be a great year. But that is going to do it for today's show. Make sure you tune in next week, same time, same place, right here on ZADA for Sports Power Talk, live from the University of Akron. Joining me once again was Pat Weber, Mitch Bates, and we will see you next week once again.